Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. everybody. Hi. Welcome back. If you're joining us again from part one of our episode about time travel and John Teeter. Yes. If you have not yet listened to episode five, pause this one and go back. We'll wait for you. If you don't go back, there's going to be a split universe. Where you never understand what I'm talking about. And that's a universe, frankly, I don't want to live in. Same. So just do us a favor, pause, go back and listen. It's worth a listen. And then come back to episode six. Okay, thanks. What are you drinking? I'm still not drinking something hard enough. I like to imagine that there's a parallel universe where I've had about three old fashions um, before we even get to part two of this. But I'm still drinking Smithix. It's a fantastic ruby red brew with a gentle hop bitterness and a sweet malt finish. That would mean that there was a universe that I actually made some more simple syrup. In a universe where I actually liked whiskey. In a universe somewhere in the middle. I'm actually still drinking the Fist City from episode one because behind the curtain time, it's been like five minutes. But right <laughs> next to my Fist City is a Sam Adams Oktoberfest that I'm not going to open yet. But you're going to hear a bottle popping soon. So let's go. Let's go. We're back. We're into this. We had two faxes from John Teeter. The name's not actually used uh, until 2001. Uh, but one of his big things he talks about in his faxes is the disaster of Y2K. Do you remember the year 2000? Um, I feel like this is putting me on the spot because I'm just slightly younger than you are. It's only a few years. Um, to be honest, no, I don't really remember 2000 a ton. 2001, I definitely remember, but 2000, not so much. Yeah, the Y2K freakout was this fear. Uh, you have all these computers running and they're keeping dates and they didn't know what was going to happen when you went from 99 to 00. I have to imagine flights were probably pretty cheap. <laughs> you know... I was actually uh, watching a like a recap of the New Year's Eve like TV episode. I never like watching that show like where there it's like three TV hosts all on like a a raised platform in front of like Times Square and they're talking about stuff. And everyone in Times Square is wearing diapers and peeing their pants. I've learned because that's what it takes to be in Times Square for New Year's. Apparently, I've never heard that before. I mean, I've heard that recently, but like when I heard that, it, it really ruined Times Square for me. My favorite moment, though, from a New Year's episode, uh, who's that silver fox? Anderson Cooper. Oh, he's a dreamboat. My favorite thing is when he takes the shot of like vodka. I think it was vodka. It was some clear liquor. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. and it's my favorite. He's such a heartwarming individual. And... He's so chic. Very wholesome. 
back in 2000, though, everyone's freaking out. Um, people, you know, it's it's honestly, it's a historical moment. People are expecting disaster. Like, like literally planes falling from the sky. Disaster. I mean, I remember reading a lot of stuff about Y2K when I got older and I kind of discovered how people had reacted. And people had, like, MREs in their house, like, waiting for shit to just go down as if it were like a civil uprising or I I don't even know. I was 10 or 11 and I remember holding my breath at midnight and like literally like people in New York were asking people in Australia, hey, are you guys okay over there? They're like, yeah, actually we're all right. It's, everything's fine. Was So this is a dumb question. Was Y2K... I mean, that had to be like a universal concern, I'm it assuming. Was, it was pretty... Except for, I, I imagine, people who didn't have computers. I think their lives would be pretty unfazed. So Y2K came and went. Uh, I remember uh, going to like Best Buy and on all the computers you'd buy or like, you know, like you'd see. But I remember I had a... It was a gateway and their motto was never obsolete. Well, guess what? I'm not using it anymore. <laughs> But on all of the computers at the store, it said, turn off before midnight on December 31st, 1999, because they just didn't know what was going to happen. Maybe they blow up. That would be crazy. Maybe they become sentient. I don't think we're at that point. I think we're getting to that point, but I don't think that we were even close to it then. There is probably a timeline where they are sentient already. I'm counting on it. Hey, what's your, uh, what's your favorite time travel movie? Oh, boy. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to let you answer it. Also, um, I'm going to open my beer. What do you think it is? I was going to guess Back to the Future. I would go with Back to the Future. Do you remember any of the rules that um, Michael J. Fox's character had to like follow? Like I, like, I remember this one plot point where the picture of his family is like vanishing. Like, it's him and his siblings. Mm-hmm. Can Can you help me out here? I know you're... You're a much larger fan of that movie franchise than I am. It's pretty much don't ever talk to yourself. Don't have any interaction with yourself. And don't do anything that would alter any uh, situations in the future. That's, yeah, that's actually, I'm, I'm really happy that that's what that was. Because I was actually really just flexing. I, I really haven't remembered the plot of Back to the Future. When you hit 88 miles, you're going to see well, some serious shit. Well, yeah, and and then the zoom zoom with the car, and it's in Rocket League, <laughs> and I love that. But no, it, it's like you can't talk to anybody, you can't touch anything, you, you can't you can't do stuff. Uh, this is actually a lot like this really cool short story called A Sound of Thunder. It's by Ray Bradbury. Um, it's a really short story. I actually teach it in my class sometimes. Pretty much, it's like time travel safari, where you pay a ton of money. And you go back in time to like hunt like dinosaurs. But there's all these rules where it's like, we'll tell you when that thing will die and you shoot it like a split second before it would die naturally. So like a T-Rex or you're going to kill a T-Rex, um, a tree's going to fall on it, but you shoot it before that tree falls on it. Pretty much you, you, you can't do anything at all to affect the future. Like the smallest step, like you step on a bug, monumental change happens. You know, maybe bugs evolve to not be crushable, even though I'm sure they were being crushed by the dinosaurs and stuff. But regardless, 
there's all these rules. And even after you kill whatever you shoot, you have to go get the bullet out of the thing you shot. So there's no evidence. Like, why is there a super, super ancient rusty thing in this fossil, you know? And basically in the end, spoilers, three, two, one, he accidentally brings home a butterfly from T-Rex times and he gets shot by one of the guys on safari. Whoopsies. Yeah, and that's the end. Hence a sound of thunder. It's the gun going boom. Oh, that's clever. So like if if we're following those those time travel rules. My favorite time travel movie is actually uh Looper. That's a good one. So, so yeah, I think it's it's um it's Emily Blunt and Bruce Willis and my like favorite actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's awesome. It's a it's a great it's a great time travel movie that like breaks time travel but also doesn't. It's uh it's a beautiful film. Watch it. Is Inception technically a time travel movie? No, it's a dream movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. So like I feel like we're inundated with time travel rules from popular movies. So it seems pretty nuts that some guy is talking so openly about time travel stuff. Like you think I can't change anything because who knows how it'll affect my timeline. And so we we hop in and we see the first post of John Teeter and he begins like this. He says, greetings. I am a time traveler from the year 2036. I am on my way home after getting an IBM 5100 computer system from the year 1975. My time machine is a stationary mass temporal displacement unit manufactured by General Electric. The unit is powered by two top-spin dual-positive singularities that produce a standard offset Tipler sinusoid. I will be happy to post pictures of it. If you look at the thing, it looks extremely legitimate. It's like not like a sketch. This is like a patent drawing from the FBI. That's how legitimate this thing looks. It's not some like sketch on like loose leaf paper. Um, and I'm not sure if this next thing is awesome or super, super lame. Um, it sounds like this device is stored um, in a 1967 Chevrolet Corvette. Uh, so it's giving me that, like, you know, like these mad back to the future vibes. I prefer DeLoreans, but that's that's just me. Well, I, th- I think he also had this like other truck later on. It was like a four wheel drive thing. It was like how how durable they were. And I don't recall this, uh, the car from Back to the Future being actually that durable. Anyways, he's looking for an IBM 5100, which people in his time had pretty much no access to, and his original mission was to go get one. These machines were pretty much the first portable computer. The, when I say portable, I mean it, it's, it's a very uh, loose way of saying it it's not the size of the station wagon you're packing into to church on sundays correct uh it was like 50 pounds and probably the size of you know like like a briefcase a thick two c's briefcase uh if you look one up you'd be surprised uh how small the screen is on it also it costs like between forty two thousand and ninety three thousand dollars if you count inflation, like it was definitely not like a home computer where you play Frogger. It was like 
you run a big company, you can look up like the ads and the ads are really, are really bizarre. And just like very like 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 70s ish uh but the importance of the computer for teeter's original timeline was this set of unadvertised features that was actually removed from following models he was asked by people on the forum why he just didn't go to an auction or a secondhand store and grab one teeter said that he had a relative who worked on the team that made the first ibm 5100s and he had to go to that specific time to get it tweaked for his cause this computer was important because it could translate several types of computer code according to the ibm engineers teeter's statements regarding the computer's abilities to emulate programming language and debug mainframe systems were very correct but it was one of those things it was never ever advertised uh, one of the engineers said i don't know that this guy is a time traveler or not but everything he said about this machine is true and maybe only 20 people know about this computer's true functions teeter himself stated that this feature was discovered as late as 2036 when unix which is kind of like lennox and as little as I am a time physicist person, I'm also not at all a computer person at all. Unix is like Linux, which is a computer coding, I think. The, the Unix, which was the underlying source behind all computer operating systems, was about to crash due to integer limitations. And they needed to get this machine back to help them translate and keep it up for a longer time. So this guy named Bob Dupke, I hope that's how you say it, uh, he was an engineer on the IBM team which developed the 5100. When he first heard about Teeter and his time traveling and particularly what he had to say about the computer, he actually thought that Teeter was one of his coworkers just having a big prank uh, because he thought a few of them, it wasn't beyond them to just go off on one of these wild, stupid pranks. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think the knowledge of this makes this whole thing feel a bit more real. But a lot of people were really speculative, which is you know, understandable. Like, would you would you believe someone who says, hey, I'm from the future? You know, I don't think that I would unless they had some sort of piece of information like that where it's like only 20 people in the world actually know about this. Yeah. What would you what would you ask a time traveler? If you met one who's from the future. Does it get better after 2020? <laughs> Apparently not. If if by the year like 25 something, uh, there's nothing left. But I'll be long dead by then. Yeah, maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe we'll like have our heads in a jar like Walt Disney. I still don't think I Walt think Disney's head is frozen in a jar. That's why they made the movie Frozen. I and have Disney on ice it's so that it breaks up the Google searches for Walt Disney actually being on ice. Anyways, people would ask Teeter questions. Again, this is, this is an open web forum. You can look up the conversations he's had with people. People would ask questions like, do you guys still use toilet paper for your butts? And everyone except <laughs> Americans says no. We use bidets. Yeah, yeah. 
they'd ask things like what's the lotto numbers uh who wins the world series and and stuff like that he had people telling him what would make him seem more believable someone would tell him it'd be way more um legit if you could take a picture of the money you use in the future that would seem way more impressive than time machine pictures i think that's a lot of crap i think a time machine is way cooler than some money in the future uh but he what's cool is teeter responded to almost everything to almost every question he i think he responded to almost everything it's like the best kind of ama on reddit legit let's get back to talking about rampart please Teeter says to the one asking about the money, he says, I am disappointed that you feel I am trying to impress you. Why would I bring money from 2036 with me? Besides, isn't that something that could easily be faked? Now, if I told you I was your cousin's brother and I knew about that scar on your left leg, that would convince you. Teeter would share pictures of his vehicle and it's actually really impressive you know, like that along with the schematics uh, it's wild and you guys can look them up they exist they're out there people who understand the concepts of time travel and what might constitute building a time machine have have their eyes and have their hands on the schematics that he provided and They've been preemptively trying to patent the time machine, looking at what goes into it, but they still don't quite know all the parts. But, you know, actually, I think the guy who was trying to patent it, I think he's in jail for some pretty vile stuff that we're never going to get into because this story breaks off into all these dirty little things that I, it takes away from Teeter himself. So theoretically, if we continue down this path, it could be that Teeter has a time machine because of somebody in the 2000s, early 2000s comparatively, who has determined from his own sketch what goes into the time machine and has created it. We could, we could say that. We could say that. I, I think Teeter goes into the, he calls them world lines where pretty much when he goes to a new place he creates a new world line so it's it's both yes and no where it's since he's created a new world line where he does go back in time there may be a split somewhere where someone does figure it out and that that may or may not lead to time machines being a thing by 2034 that's the year it's a thing, though. Yep, I, I totally follow. <laughs> Teeter, uh, in answering, like I said, he, he answered a ton of questions. He had some rules, though, and I'm going to and he would he would put the number next to an, uh, a question if he didn't want to answer it. He'd say one, two or three. And I'm sure there's more rules, but I'm just going to give three. He says, I will not disclose any information that will cause someone to personally gain by its knowledge. This means no stocks, no sport tips. Two, I will not disclose any detailed information that would allow someone to avoid death by probability. That means no earthquake or bombing information. Three, 
I will not disclose any information that may compromise any future actions by individual people or threaten the, their family and well-being. So, I mean, it seems like he had a time traveler's, like, moral code where we thought maybe at one point, you know, you can't talk to people, you can't see yourself. People uh, would say uh, if you shook your own hand, you would melt or something. I don't think that's quite the case. Besides the amazing questions of people asking how we wipe our butts in the future, some people had really, really great questions. I wanted to share a few of those. Some of the questions he got were, uh, have you tried changing the past yet? Or have you found that everything you do has been done? Oh, that's a really good question. It's kind of like that, you know, the Shakespeare book thing. Right. It's kind of like that. He says, world lines are not fixed. They're all different. There is no one time. The fact that I am here changes this world time. So theoretically, that means if someone were to go back in time and kill Hitler, in a different world line, Hitler would still actually exist. In another time world line, Hitler's an artist, potentially. Potentially. In this one, he's a piece of crap, though. Yeah. Big old piece of crap. No, I'll say it. He's a piece of shit. So Teeter says world lines are not fixed. So the fact that he was just there changes the timeline, the world line. In the conversation, another asks, so you haven't tried to muck with anything? He says, no, but I could. It's just that my moral opinion that I'm not going to. Besides, I'm not here for that. The other replied, thing is, you might not have changed anything because you already were there. Oh, stop it. Well, the thing is, he, he gets happy when people are kind of understanding the complexities of time travel. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're getting it. Or, like, or it's like, well, yes, but no. So he's in this timeline. This world, I, I keep saying timeline. He calls it world line. I'm going to keep messing it up. He mentions seeing small changes like horse races. There's a s different winner. Football games, different winner. Uh, some stories aren't written yet. Things like that. Uh, Teeter alludes that this world, the one he is having these conversations in, by definition, is not his and that the multiple world theory is correct. So that's like everything that could happen does happen in a parallel universe. And that all possible alternate histories and futures are all real. Teeter said that the time paradoxes do not exist because of this. For, for instance, uh, do you know the grandfather paradox? No. Pretty much you go back in time and kill your grandfather. You shouldn't be able to do that because... Oh, because then that would mean that theoretically you would never exist in the first place. Yeah. Or if this is Futurama and you're Fry, you actually are your grandfather because you shag your grandma when she's like a hot young 20-something. Oh, Jesus Christ. Spoilers that no one wanted to hear in the first place. It's a hilarious episode. So what Teeter's saying is the grandfather paradox could not happen because if Teeter killed his own grandfather, he'd be killing a different John Teeter's grandfather in a different world line. So it's similar to the whole idea of Rick and Morty where there's mm -hmm. version A, B, and C. And theoretically, they could never go back to any of those, but they have to wait until maybe 
the Rick and Morty of version B die, and then they slip back in? Oh, actually, they can do... Actually. <laughs> actually, I said that I wasn't a time expert, but um, now I'm, I'm a time Morty expert, expert so. <laughs> No, they are free to exist in... I mean, there's literally an entire Rick and Morty civilization where they all, like, hang out and, like, do stuff. No, uh, it was just the the most painless, easiest way to slip back into a somewhat normal life. Okay. Yep. And if I recall correctly, the thing that killed that Rick and Morty was like another half turn on a screw. And he's like, well, see, in our timeline, I get it right, but get that wrong. And this one, he gets that wrong, so let's just fill in. It, it really destroys Morty. It destroys him. But okay. I guess that's... It's like the best part. I just love that show so much. I love it because I have such a high IQ. <laughs> so if you're thinking he's trying to modify the past of his world line, it seems like he can't actually do that. And he is possibly trying to get this alternate timeline off the hook and away from a bunch of really, really, really bad stuff from happening here. I'm going gonna, gonna to talk about Dragon Ball Z. In Dragon Ball Z, there's this arc where Trunks is this guy from the future where the androids kill all the heroes of Dragon Ball Z and he, he goes back in time to like change it. I actually don't think that changes his timeline either. But he does change that timeline of the one that we're watching. You know, like that arc. Anyways. The really, really, really bad stuff that he's trying to save us from. I should uh, I should quickly note that there seems to be a slight difference between what John said in the faxes and what he says in his online posts. And that leads to people thinking that those are actually different John Teeters. But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I need a sip of this. So what does John Teeter know that we don't know? Aside from the knowledge of the IBM 5100, which is definitely a point on his side in sounding legit, John also has some knowledge about how the time machine works. Not like I built this knowledge, but definitely more than I only know how to turn this on, if that makes sense. So kind of like with a car, I don't know how it works. Like I press the button, I hit the gas, I go forward. I know that, but I also know how to do a few things to fix it, like oil change, Stuff like that. Really just oil change. <laughs> really just oil change. I'm, I'm not trying to flex here. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, he's a soldier. So he's he's trained to know enough to make it work and to understand the general concept of it is how I understand it. I think he even describes time travel like driving a car. I mean, he's literally in a car <laughs> when he's time traveling. So that... That kind of cheapens it all, I think. It's too much like Back to the Future, which definitely existed before 2000. So, you know, maybe. Who knows? I want to believe, though, so I'm going to keep playing this game. There are a number of events, however, that Teeter does warn us about. Like I said earlier, in John's World line, it, it gets demolished by Y2K, which I think is why his whole mission was to go to get that computer there's also a pandemic in his world line uh-huh what year well so you know how there's differences in timelines and it's 
well, he says stop eating beef and he, there's basically a, a mad cow pandemic and it's pretty awful uh there's this there's this offshoot of mad cow that is a 100 percent fatal disease uh he talks about his life growing up where he lives or like i guess lived uh he grew up in central florida with his family and he's stationed at an army base in tampa according to his his story uh, he says he was born in 1998 and he remembers going to disney world at christmas and he says that he remembers going to daytona beach so typical america stuff i mean i've never been to disney world but i mean john teeter has he says that there's a civil conflict that starts and it gets worse and people generally decided to either stay in the cities and lose most of their civil rights under the guise of security or would leave the cities for a more rural and isolated area. And his home in the city would be searched and he says he would see neighbors um, across the street being arrested for unknown reasons. And so that's why they left the city. Uh, so this this civil conflict is gonna be a, a massive a massive part of his his uh, story so he says from ages 8 to 12 that he and his family lived away from the cities and he spent most of his time in a farm community with other families avoiding the conflict with the police and the National Guard who were very active in those cities and by that time it was pretty clear that they were not going back to what we had and the division between the cities and the countries was very well defined so think like OG Civil War was North-South. This Civil War is city versus rural. So pretty much what 2020 is shaping up to be anyways. Yep. So I want to give a shout out to another podcast. It's called It Could Happen Here. And it pretty much walks through episode by episode of what would happen in the event of a civil war within recent times uh like in in the you know coming years um i will say so this this podcast came out in 2019 and it is now gaining so much popularity that it's hitting the top of the charts again uh if that topic interests you highly recommend it's fantastically well done but also pace yourself with it definitely listen but take some breaks it's not good for your mental health to just binge the entire thing because it definitely gets heavy and I think could have some adverse, uh, you know, effects on, on your well-being. Um, but it's a great podcast. <laughs> it is so nice of you to help out smaller podcasts. <laughs> it is so nice of you to help out the small guy. Yeah, yeah, totally. We are such good people. We're number one in the charts of my mom's. Your mom's heart. heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I I thought a lot about that podcast actually, when reading when reading the stuff from Teeter. Uh, so yeah, he leaves the city because it's becoming very authoritarian, very like Big Brother scary stuff, and the people in the country want their freedom, they want their liberties. His father made a living by putting together these uh, twelve volt systems. It was like it was for like. Uh, powering stuff 
and they would sail commodities like oranges up the coast. And that's kind of how they spent their time and how they earned their money. And so fighting was common by then, you know, by the time he's like 12 or 13. Uh, and Teeter says by this time in 2011, he joined a shotgun infantry in Florida. He served with the fighting diamondbacks for about four years. He actually complains about his, his hearing kind of sucking in one of his ears because of the shooting of shotgun so much. Uh, the civil war ends in 2015 when get this Russia attacks the U S in what capacity? The cities. Oh, good. Okay. But Great. wait, they're actually the good guys. Russia bombing the U.S. cities, the enemy of the country folk. They also ad- attack China and Europe. Okay, continue. He says, though, he says, he says, as unusual and as bad as that might sound, I wouldn't trade the world for my childhood. I loved it. So attacking the cities was important because that is what, that's where the problem was. And the Russians knew that when they nuked the cities, if the bombs blew up too high, it would destroy technology, you know, like satellites and stuff. So they had them very low to ground just to destroy the cities. (sighs) So as a result of the war, the United States would split into five regions based on various factors like military objectives and whatnot. So we're basically becoming the Hunger Games. The Civil War ends in 2015, but is followed by a quick and intense World War III. Oh, good. So things are really looking up then. Yeah. Um, Teeter calls the day that Russia launches the nukes against the cities of the U.S., China, and Europe as N-Day. I imagine the N stands for nuke. Or? Or nice. No. No. Now, the info on World War III is super iffy. Like, it's not really there. Teeter said something like, there's no point in me telling you. You can't stop it, and it's just better that you be surprised. Okay. Anyways, the U.S., which is still around, it counterattacks, and the U.S. cities are destroyed along with, uh, it's called the American Federal Empire, which, from what I get, is, like, the city folk and Teeter says, we, the country, won the Civil War. And the World War ends pretty abruptly. So the European Union and China are destroyed, and Russia is now the largest trading partner with the U.S. And the capital, it moves to Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, God. You can't get much more country than that, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like I get the point. Yeah, so by the end of this, the war killed nearly 3 billion people. It's not like any one country got it worse than the others either. It's like he says, when the water's not clean, everything sucks, everyone suffers. It's like everything's just irradiated. But he says, people that survived grew really close to each other, and life is centered around family and community. And so... Oh, man. After the massive losses that everyone felt during the Civil War and World War III, which, yo, 
how close are we to that in like January? It yeah, twenty twenty's like, been a really fucking long year, guys. We've that, had was it we've Suleimani? Had that almost was, World War Three. We've had a pandemic, a global pandemic. We have an election coming up. We have there's a lot of shit going on. Everything sucks. <laughs> Everything sucks. Everyone's lost something. Everyone's lost someone. After the wars, things become less centralized. Governments become much more you're on your own. Kind of like how in the States we all have our own little governments and we're all kind of having our own little things. Same deal. Teeter mentions that in the decentralizing of the government, the U.S. flag changes from 50 stars to just five what are the five i actually wasn't able to find the names but i do remember for some reason on reddit or some other websites that there were maps like drawing out the five or six or seven u.s regions in a potential fallout of war (laughs) Uh, the war has profound effects on people and on how they relate to each other. He says, as individuals, almost everyone in 2036 is very familiar with death. And they all have stories of people dying from disease, war, or just acts of inhumanity. And most of them had even taken part in handing out those things to the other side so it's like they become more compassionate for each other in some weird way to the ones they become compassionate for the ones they love and someone asked is there still racism in your future and he goes no we are respectful to all people and we judge people much more on how they carry their own weight if that makes sense we are more accepting of others differences in our community because we depend on them to survive there's there's no more uh, luxury we can't walk to culver's every three days you know it's not every three days but i understand your point for the reference we we got culver's today and friday oh my did we really? Oh. It's but it's but okay. You know, I think we maybe had it three times in the past week, and that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's a luxury that I will continue to take. Oh, Teeter says <laughs> that that the surviving people in general become much more conservative with their resources and closer to God for a period. Uh, because life on earth was truly hell and you know there's there's so much i can talk about still so many more predictions uh, but i i think it's time to start to get rapping but i still have myself more to talk about uh, no doubt there are many non-believers teeter never claimed to try to convince anyone uh, he claims he came to 2000 to enjoy his time before having to get back to his his time so what he did in between wasn't too important as long as he got what he came for, which is kind of cool. Uh, he, The time he spends would be real to him, but when he gets back, it's 10 seconds, even a split second after he left. He'll be back with what he came for, which is the computer. Though we are experiencing in our world line, a.k.a. the darkest timeline, 
uh, things are pretty rough right now, and it sucks. Uh, we're not quite in the same place as John's world line. We did almost have World War Three back in January, and we're in the middle of a different pandemic. But at least we can have burgers, right? <laughs> right? At least Culver still exists in our world line. Uh, no comment on the Civil War. No comment. No comment. Logically, I can't think of a way to prove or disprove Teeter's statements. For him, they may very well be true, but once he arrives on our timeline, it's theoretically possible that the things he knew are different. I can't I can't prove it. I don't think anyone could prove it. Maybe you can. But seriously, everybody, check out www.johnteeter. That's T I T O R.com. It has not been updated since 2004. It's super legit. But it is it is a great spot to see all of his interactions, if not most of them. A couple of the links say that it's under construction. I don't know if it is actually. Uh, so I was only able to cover a bit of material. John Teeter was here for a few months, having fun on the internet, but the story lives on. Was he real? Or was this just an amazing piece of fiction by some just amazing authors? There's actually an argument that people do think this is just some literature that was like super viral. Regardless, I'm going to leave everybody with some closing words from, from Teeter. Uh, I have two quotes. This one's kind of mean, but I like it. <laughs> but I like it. Uh, he tells us, perhaps I should let you in on a little secret. No one likes you in the future. This time period is looked at as being full of lazy, self-centered, civically ignorant sheep. Perhaps you should be less concerned about me and more concerned about that. Wow, you know what's really funny is people who are on very different sides of the same issue are going to hear that and think, hmm, yeah, that totally applies. To the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. <laughs> On March 24th, 2001, John delivers his last message. And I'm going to read it. He says, I will be leaving this world line shortly, and this will be my final post. There are only a handful of people who will know exactly when I will be leaving, and I'm sure they will let you know when I'm gone. In the last few days, I have found your choice of topics quite interesting, and from an objective viewpoint, I think it collectively answers one of your own questions. If time travel is real, where are all the time travelers? In the past, I have stated that, quite frankly, you all scare the hell out of me, and I'm sure other temporal drivers would feel the same. But now I have expanded explanation with two examples. A while ago, on one of my posts, I related an experience I had with my parents while we were driving down a highway. Every now and then, we would pass someone who was in obvious distress with their vehicle. I was amazed that so many people could pass them by without stopping to help. Their explanation was fear. The risk of helping someone was too great, and with today's technology, they probably had a cell phone anyway. If they didn't, the walk to a gas station would be good for them and teach them a lesson for running out of gas. The other example is the plight of the homeless. When you pass them as individuals on the street, I see the way people selectively choose an alternate path to avoid them. Those two examples best define why time travelers do not show themselves. 
in trying to help you, we put ourselves at great risk and there's really no point to it. We kind of know the nature of time dictates that traveling between exact world lines is impossible. Therefore, the only results we will see will be the ones we stay to see. Since world lines, outcomes and events are infinite, we have better things to do. When I arrive in the new 1998 world line on my way home, I could easily start all of this again and continue to go through the same conversations with all of the same people. However, I already know you won't pay any attention or believe me because we've already been through it on this world line. Besides, I think the walk to the gas station will do you some good. I also want to thank everyone who asked intelligent and insightful questions. I have learned a great deal. No, I do not have a secret agenda, but I have been paying a great deal of attention to your world line. My interaction with you was not a direct mission parameter, but it was a secondary mission protocol based on standing orders given to all temporal drivers. That secondary objective is pretty much to gather as much information about a world line based on a set of observable variables when we first arrive. Your world line met those conditions. What amazes me is why none of you here wonders why Y2K didn't hit them at all. Bring a gas can with you when the car dies on the side of the road. Farewell. John. Yeah, so John's kind of an asshole. I mean, he absolutely has a point, and I think all of that is still very relevant in 2020. Um, But, like, damn, dude, I feel called out. This is definitely like a mic drop moment for uh, for John. Yeah, he's not wrong. He's definitely right about those other guys, though. Yeah, those other people. Those other guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, there's there's so much more that comes after this. Uh, there's even allegedly a John Teeter the second, but it it gets really convoluted. And also, there's a subreddit for John Teeter and. A lot of people go on there saying, hey, it's me, John, just checking in again. (laughs) And some people go along with it, and others just go, no, man, that's not you. It's like that episode of SpongeBob where he's like, I'm Squidward, he's Squidward. We're (laughs) We're all all Squidward. (laughs) We're we're all John Teeter. (laughs) And, yeah, if if you at home want to learn more about our time-traveling soldier, John Teeter dot com we'll also link it in our show notes we'll link all of our sources for today in the show notes so that you can refer to it pretty easily but maybe we'll do a follow-up episode after we uncurl ourselves from the fetal position we're about to put ourselves into after we finish recording it's like that sponge episode where where squidward's like future (laughs) no but legitimately what i'm going to do is um when I learned how to travel through time. I'm going to give myself these notes on Thursday or something so we can record this on the normal day. And not the day of. But actually the day after, kind of. Yeah. But it's, it's Labor Day, right? We get we get the day. But okay. Uh, man, uh, do I have any more notes? No. Oh, I just say. My brain has stopped working, and regardless of what this is, I want to believe. I want to believe in this so bad. 
I too want to believe. I have to go for a walk, so. <laughs> I have to take a beer. I have to go walk around the block. I have to think about a parallel universe where maybe I don't have a beer and I don't walk around the block. Oh, now you're just getting into. Oh, gosh. It's going to be it's going to be a rough, rough few hours after this trying to get out of the mindset of of, you know, alternate realities and. This is like the episode of Doctor Who when Rose stares into the time vortex in the TARDIS. And then Eccleston has to like kiss her and mm-hmm. then he becomes Tenet. It's like mm-hmm. that. It's like everything in time and space, all the fabric is like so uh, uncomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Oh, incomprehensible. But this is good. This is a good place to stop, I think. Yeah, we might we might do a follow up episode on this. I with hope just not. some more John Teeter um, information. But for now, that ends today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us for part two. We hope you enjoyed it, and we want to know your thoughts on if you think John Teeter was real, if he's actually a time traveler, or if maybe he's just a the work of fiction from some different authors who had a pretty sick collab. So we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So feel free to give us your thoughts there. And we hope to hear from you. And don't forget, if you liked our show, please leave us a review or follow us on your platform of choice and take a screenshot and you can send it to us and we will send you a sticker for free. Yeah, and let me know uh, what you would do if you could travel through time and hang out with yourself. Oh, God. If it's kung fu fighting, let's go tag team our younger selves. Oh, God. I'll see you all on the flip. Thanks for joining us. Bye. See you next week.